Welcome. You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show, Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today, we are exploring the agony and ecstasy of awakening. Of course, if you've ever been fascinated by by the art and life of... Michelangelo di Lodovico Buonarroti Simoni. (laughs) (laughs) Generally known simply as Michelangelo. I had Michael say that because I did not want to butcher the beautiful Italian language. I don't know how much better (laughs) I did, but... (laughs) We'll find out. You've undoubtedly read the 1961 New York Times number one best-selling biographical... (laughs) boy... Novel by him, by American author Irving Stone, at least watched the 1965 movie starring Charleston Heston as Michelangelo and Rex Harrison as Pope Julius II. The movie was based on part of the book covering the four years of Michelangelo's struggles and triumphs in painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel commissioned by Pope Julius II. If you read the book, you would have a window into the intense struggles and both inner and outer conflicts in Michelangelo's life as he dedicated his life and art to fulfilling God's expression of beauty in this world. In so many ways, Michelangelo triumphed over the agonies guided by divine inspiration and brought into the world his exquisite masterpieces of art. The book's title... The Agony and the Ecstasy perfectly epitomizes the process of spiritual growth that Michelangelo went through along the way to fulfilling his sole purpose. If you were to look into the lives of great mystics, saints, and spiritual masters, you might learn that most of their spiritual awakening process could be described as the agony and the ecstasy as well. Oh, boy. Yay! Of course... Yay! <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're borrowing that for our exploration of the process of awakening, not to scare you off by insisting that you must suffer great agonies in order to awaken, but with a little tongue-in-cheek humor tossed in. Like everything else we all experience in this divided world built on polarities, there are bound to be the highs and the lows in how many of us experience our step-by-step spiritual growth. And in between those highs and those lows, a good majority of our experiences might be cataloged as in-between or the usual or the usual stuff. <laughs> the experience of spiritual growth is metaphorically like surfing the ocean waves. If you've ever watched surfers, a great deal of the time they're in the water waiting and waiting for the next good wave to ride. Once they find a wave they choose to attempt to surf, the ride is relatively short-lived in relation to all the preparation time and all that waiting. 
A surfer can successfully negotiate a big wave, in which case they might experience a high from it or they might crash and even suffer injuries. For a dedicated surfer, the attainment far outweighs the possible risks and the boredom of waiting. (laughs) Although the occasional ecstasies of successful surfing might inspire the surfer to continue despite the many struggles, failures, and even injuries, the real surfer will surf because that is how they choose to fulfill their purpose here. Through surfing, they learn about themselves, about life and the world, and how to master themselves. Michelangelo did the same through producing works of art. No matter what your path may look like on the outside, it's what you do with it, with what is within you, that ultimately counts in the fulfillment of your soul purpose. The inner soul purpose is always that of fully awakening to the truth of who you are and expressing yourself through living. What kind of outer path you travel in the world is just the means for you to accomplish that. One soul may choose to do that as an artist and while another one may choose to do so as a scientist. One soul may choose to attain enlightenment through being a mystic while another may choose to do so as a parent to children. Yet no matter what your outer path may look like to anyone else, the agonies and the ecstasies, the lows and the highs that you experience along the way provide you with the lessons you need to learn in mastering yourself. You might discover over time that it is shortly following a particularly high point in your experience of life that you might end up feeling like you've fallen into a dark pit. At first, you might be really surprised and ask, why am I experiencing such a low when I just had a big win in my life or just celebrated a milestone? Uh, It's a bit like that Newtonian theorem. To every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yes, that's in the nature of this dichotomous world. Without fail, night always follows the day, and day follows after every night. There is a trough following every crest in a wave. What goes up must come down. Of course, that is only in your experience of this world. In spirit, on the other hand, there are no ups or downs, highs or lows, crests or troughs, days or nights. There are no dichotomies and no polarities in oneness, or that which is beyond limits or time. So continuing with the metaphor of surfing for living our soul growth, the more you stay in tune with that oneness of spirit while you live your life here in the tuneness of the world, the more you can successfully ride that middle path between the agonies and the ecstasies that seem to constantly manifest along your spiritual path. To do that, of course, first and foremost, you have to drop the judgments you have been living in. What do judgments have to do with your experience of agony and ecstasy or of your experiences of suffering and celebration in your life? Well, judgments have quite a bit to do with your experiences you might describe as suffering, and letting go of those judgments have a lot to do with your experiences of joy. Just notice what you experience within yourself when you are holding a harsh judgment against someone, yourself, or something in the world. You probably don't feel like joyously celebrating your life at that point, do you? 
What are you experiencing when you are thinking to yourself, what an ugly person she is, or how rude and inconsiderate can that person get, or I am such a worthless failure. I think we all know that one. (laughs) Or I just can't stand what's going on in politics right now. Or what an awful day that was. Then, if you were to reconsider your judgment about yourself, that person, situation, thing, or concept even, and and decide to drop holding such a judgment, what happens to your experience? If you come to a realization that the judgments you previously held about someone or something wasn't true after all, and you see the light, so to speak, you naturally drop that judgment like a hot potato. Once you fully let go of such a judgment, don't you feel lighter, more at peace, happier? Now you might be more prone to celebrating your experience of life rather than suffering the energetic consequences of your judgments. While most people believe that their judgments about things are true and unchangeable, judgments are merely images in your mind that you look through at people and things that, like looking through a colored lens, that judgment colors your experience according to the judgment. If your judgment has guilt and blame or anger or disappointment or fear, those energies will color your experience of the person or situation or thing. Rather than experience the joyous celebration that is life itself, you end up experiencing your own judgments in your mind. Yep. What do you do? <laughs> yep, those experiences you suffer through, right? We go through suffering are replete with a lot of judgments you might unconsciously hold in your mind from ah, the past. Many of those judgments you merely borrowed or inherited from others. Just look at all the varieties of prejudices that children naturally take on from their parents. If the soul doesn't awaken to the truth beyond those prejudices, they may assume that those thoughts and feelings that come up whenever they encounter certain kinds of people or behaviors or situations are part of reality. After all, what's the difference between someone tapping on a chair while sneering at someone else and declaring with certainty, are you stupid? This is a chair. Everyone can see that. And someone pointing to a person who looks at uh, a certain way and declaring with certainty, now there's a real, and finish that remark with a derogatory or vulgar expletive, and as if that's an unshakable truth. Well, the difference isn't that a chair isn't a chair, but that the judgment with which that particular person said that, it's a chair is a chair, makes the two remarks judgmental and not a statement about the truth. Buddha taught that all suffering comes from ignorance. It may be more accurate to replace the word ignorance today with unawareness or lack of awareness. When we are aware of the truth, we don't suffer. It's only when we are not aware of the truth in the matter or situation or condition that we experience it as suffering. I've experienced suffering many times in my life, as I'm pretty sure everyone does to varying extents. 
Yet I've also had experiences that were very similar to those I suffered in and through that I didn't experience as suffering at all. For example, I've been physically injured in various you know, similar ways, but some of those times when I got injured, I didn't suffer at all or even experience any pain, while other times, similar injuries, I suffered greatly. Hmm, what's going on there? Isn't a cut a cut? Like a chair is a chair? Or a rose is a rose is a rose? <laughs> Who said that? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, yes and no. It's when I was very aware of the truth as I went through what would be normally a painful experience that would be described as some kind of suffering that I didn't experience the suffering or at times even any pain at all. At those times of great awareness of the truth of spirit, even if I still experienced some degree of pain, I wasn't suffering at all. I was happy, even joyful. That's experiencing the ecstasy of awakening. When you're immersed in the judgment trick pictures in your mind, consciously or unconsciously, you experience the agony of the awakening process. Your awareness at, at those times are focused on the fear and resistance inherent in the judgment pictures held in your mind. The suffering comes from putting your creative power into the judgments, resisting whatever it is you are judging. What we experience in those instances is the enormity of our creative power. We unwittingly invest in resisting with judgments, someone or something in our life. So then how do we how do we successfully catch that big wave? You know, referring to Raphael's analogy of surfing, how do we successfully catch that big wave and ride it? even joyfully to the shore in our awakening process, rather than getting crushed under the agony or just merely experience uh, like a fleeting ecstasy. Yeah, just, oh, that was a great ride. <laughs> we have to be aware of the neutrality of spirit in the middle between the two extremes. Once you firmly establish your awareness in the neutrality of spirit, you'll begin to experience more and more of the joyous celebration of life, intrinsic to spirit, regardless of whether you're going through challenging times in the world or enjoying a holiday cruise on your path. Now, what makes you experience the highs or the lows so often shortly after the highs in your life, right? Now, that's a normal part of not only your awakening process, but also of your entire healing process. Many people assume that if they are in their healing process, everything's going to come up roses. Yet, a major part of any healing process is that of releasing the old energies that are not working for you to make space for new life energies. Those old energies you need to release first could be other people's energies you've long held as your own, but turned out not to be, 
or they could be your resistance to something you've long held unconsciously that you became more aware of just to release. Often, it's both. I often use the physical analogy of a detox process from fasting. If you've long subsisted on relative junk food diet and decided to clean up your diet for better health, if you go on a kind of a fast to clean out your system, it might give you a feeling of lightening up right at the beginning. But once you continue with such a fast, more and more of the old built-up toxins in your body would begin to come out. Generally, that's not going to be a pleasant experience. If not done correctly, it might even make you sick. Yet, it's still part of the overall healing process. When you approach your healing and awakening process with wisdom and compassion, then the highs and lows wouldn't tend to be as extreme. But you would still have the ups and downs of experience. Those who expect otherwise tend to get discouraged, thinking, I was doing so well until now, and oh, I, I feel like I'm back to square one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imposing those judgments on yourself and your process will surely provide you with more suffering. Yet, if you can dispense with such resistance and judgments to the natural process of healing and awakening, your ride will prove to be much more consistent and enjoyable. Also, another common error that dedicated and enthusiastic seekers on the path may commit unwittingly is assuming that more and faster is better when it comes to their spiritual growth. Many are like children in the backseat of the family car, constantly asking, are we there yet? (laughs) When are we going to get there? (laughs) I love how... Michael answered that question to his kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to know how I answered that when they were growing up? Oh, 15 minutes. 15 minute, more minutes. And the next time they asked, uh, 15 more minutes. <laughs> Until they go, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, okay. So anyway, when it comes to your healing and spiritual awakening, just enough is most often optimal. Well, we're just coming about at our first break, so we wanted to invite you to join us for our next teleclass in our ever-popular ongoing series, You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think, which is happening in just a few weeks on Saturday, September 3rd from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. This class is titled, You Are the Light of the World, Energy Work for Enjoying Who You Are. Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650 for all the details and to sign up. And by the way, you can also buy it after the recording or after the class has actually been given. You can get the recording. Learn to do psychic energy work to help you celebrate who you are and shine your light ever more brightly in your life and in the world. For all the details and to sign up, go to our September events calendar section at michaeltamura.com or call our office at 530-926-2650 and speak with our wonderful assistant, Debbie, during normal business hours, Pacific time, Monday to Friday. 
We'll return in a couple of minutes to the agony and the ecstasy of awakening. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you love living the miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at MichaelTamora.com forward slash events. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at michaeltamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. It's great to have you back. If you're just joining us now, we've been exploring the agony and the ecstasy of awakening. In this world, both the process of healing and awakening can involve many different highs and lows. It's certainly not monotonous or boring. That is for doggone sure. We'll continue to address the various ways in which you might experience those highs and lows of your awakening process and how you might manage both with grace and equanimity. Yes, I I always want to wonder, you know, when Raphael says, Doggone something, doggone sure. Uh, where where did the dog go? <laughs> it's just an expression. So anyway, uh, when are we gonna get there? <laughs> Before the break, I was I was talking about referring to the common. Uh, I don't know if that's true in all countries and cultures and everything, but but. In ours, in America, it's it's like a standard uh, thing where the kids in the back of the back seat of the car until a certain age. Well, maybe not <laughs> so for some of them. They're forty or fifty years old, and they might still say, "Well, when are we going to get there?" <laughs> but we're talking about it in relationship to to uh, your spiritual growth, your your awakening, and or healing process. The, the just enough is most optimal, not faster, the better, or the, the more, the better, you know, the bigger, the better, that kind of stuff doesn't, that, that all involves 
Ah, uh, guess what? Judgment and competition. This is better than that. Da 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 da. And let's hurry up, hurry up. So we're we live in this more modern world in in a bigger cities and all that. More so-called technologically advanced uh, parts of the world. It's faster the better. The bigger the better. The more the better. But is it? Not when it comes to your spiritual awakening. Not when it comes to true, profound healing. Huh. Just enough is most often the optimal thing to shoot for. So a lot of times I see people, especially those who are desperate for healing. You know, they're in, in a bad way, so to speak, in some you know, physically or emotionally or mentally or whatever. And they, but they continually ask in one way or another for more healing because they get some healing and they're not all the way healed, right? So, yeah, that's natural. We we all would like to be well and as well as we can be. But when a little bit of healing makes them feel better and do better, they might try to get more healing in. Okay, this worked. Oh, this is great. This I went to this healer and and I feel a lot better, so I'm going to go again right away. In fact, I'll go every day. Yeah, I'll go every day. <laughs> Maybe I'll call this healer every 5 minutes <laughs> until I'm perfect. Ah, that's not going to work. More often than not, the way of approaching, that kind of way of approaching one's healing and and awakening can easily easily backfire. Again, it's going to be like going too fast or or too extreme of fasting, right? It's it's going to put you into more psychic detox on, on the psychic level than you might be willing to go through at once. When that happens, since you're suffering the agonies more, you might believe that you are not healing or becoming more aware. Yet in most cases, you're having too much healing too fast or becoming more aware of all the past invalidation, blame, guilt, judgments, fear, resistance, you name it. Then you can possibly, you know, you can easily process. You can process it, but it's not going to be easy if you bring out too much all at once from overhealing, over waking up, <laughs> trying too hard. And it's you get overloaded. Then you have to recover from the overload. So that's going to set you back even time-wise. It's going to take longer in the long run. You might tend to misinterpret your successes as failures. You're taking steps forward, but it seems like you're going backwards. So my recommendation is to remember the captain's order to the helmsman when they wish to stay the course at sea. Steady as she goes. <laughs> like the fable about the tortoise and the hare. The consistent one tends to arrive at their destination not only in one piece, but often more quickly. 
So when we were talking earlier about the surfing, I have never surfed in my life. I'm not a big fan of going in the ocean for a long time, except maybe to swim with dolphins. And now that's illegal, so you can't do that anymore. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, social media because social media, you know, it, it has its agonies and ecstasies for sure. There's some wasty time things about it, and there's also some amazing things about it. And one of the amazing things about it, I find, is you get to glimpse into other people's lives that you would never otherwise have touched into. And I have my favorites. When I have a few minutes to look at social media, I'm always really interested in the ones who are actually trying to do something, trying to teach something, trying to give a part of themselves that they uh, give themselves a voice, which helps give other people a voice. There's one fellow in particular that I really like, since we were talking about surfing, um, and this this guy is on the um, Instagram, I believe, and can be seen there. I'm not really sure what his handle is on Instagram, but he's known as the blind surfer. And this is a guy who uh, was born being able to see, but he eventually lost his sight, I think, by the time he was a teenager. So very, very difficult in the sense of um, this this man is an athlete, and he wants to do all the things that he did before. And some things, he he does a whole thing on uh, his successes and failures, and he has no problem laughing at his failures and... um, also being joyous at his successes and being able to surf when you're blind is a very difficult thing <laughs> because you have other people in the water that your board could hit and all kinds of things. So this man has surrounded himself with a support group, his girlfriend, his his surfing coach, his best friend and other people, and also his uh, cameraman, I guess. And if he does really great, he he posts about that. If he does horribly, he posts about that and he laughs a lot through it. And he also laughs about other things like not even being able to see what he looks like when he dresses himself. So people have to describe to him and he has to get the approval of his girlfriend before he'll go out into public. So these are very fun things for him um, and a learning process. But why I'm even talking about this is I had been checking in on his post for quite a while when one day he posted about getting a letter from a 12-year-old girl who was just diagnosed with uh, the same kind of eye disease that he had that caused him to lose his sight. And she was in the process of losing her sight. And she was really depressed and horrified by this. And she wrote to him saying, uh, seeing your videos has made me more hopeful that I can do whatever I want to do in life. And what he said in that post, and, you know, these are only a a couple of minutes long, is he just had no idea that he could impact someone this way. And it gave him even more purpose to follow his dreams in spite of his um, handicaps that obviously would not be, uh, let's say, curable necessarily in this lifetime. And on top of that, he also had his, has a job using his best asset, which is his voice. So uh, you can hear this guy kind of uh, imitating himself doing voiceovers for, let's say, movie commercials and that sort of thing. So 
it's really interesting to watch the agony and the ecstasy of one person and what my matching pictures are with him, but not because I'm blind. Well, I'm, I'm partially blind, actually, but um, I can still see. However, we all run into those things that we really want to do that are difficult, and we manage to find a way to do them anyway, if, if it's our passion. And the same thing goes for spiritual growth. If you sought your spiritual growth as much as someone like this man sought his uh, thrills with doing his sports, I think, you know, this planet would be in a much better place. And by the way, when you do this, following your passions and your joys, you eventually find your spiritual path anyway. It's a natural thing. So even if you're sort of borderlining on, I don't know if I'm even spiritual or not, when you start to be able to really go within and answer the call to what you are here for what you would like to do, you do step onto your spiritual path, whether you know it or not. Yeah, <clears throat> that's absolutely true. And and as Raphael was saying that, I was looking at, you know, <clears throat> what what is what makes us have that when when you follow what you love, right? When she talked about passion, it's it's really what do you love? most in life ah some people might have one thing that above everything else this is what i love chocolate no <laughs> but but you know there's it's it's like a completely above and beyond anything for some people it's a certain kind of sport for others, it's music. It's others, some kind of arts. For some others, it's politics. It's something that drives them. And and if you look at what what motivates somebody, what inspires someone, what drives a person for going, you know, in a certain direction in life, if you really look underneath it all, oh, it's what they love. And all of you know that you could love something and still suffer, right? You're, this is what I love doing. And then to do it, it's not all peaches and cream, right? It's, it's got the ups and downs. It's got the agonies and the ecstasies. There's got the failures and the successes. And if you really look at anything you're interested in doing and doing well, there's going to be a whole lot more failures, what might be considered failures, than there are successes. Because once you succeed, if you're going for some kind of a personal best record in, in sports or whatever, oh, you're not going to go there right away. I mean, it's taken you however long of trying it out and practicing and everything to get to a certain place. And then to get beyond that, it's not going to be a oh simple, okay, next step. I'm just going to break that record <laughs> sometimes. But, but it's after a lot of practice, a lot of trials and errors. And the higher you go, the further you get it seems to get a little bit slower because, wow, you know, anybody can do it at this very, 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 very beginner level. But when you start to 
go further in your mastery about something, getting gaining expertise about something, oh, it's going to take longer because it's just that much more difficult. You're hitting the ceilings more often. In fact, every time you break that ceiling, ah, there's another ceiling, right? Until you break that ceiling and you just keep on going. So in between breaking through the ceiling are many fail well many times you don't break through. But are they really failures? No, only if you judge them as failures. Huh. If you don't judge them, they're just experience. You're just doing what you love doing. And you keep on doing what you love doing, and you and you find yourself starting to wake up spiritually, even if you were an atheist before. Why? Because it's the love, so to speak. It points you always. If you're doing what you love, if you're with people you love, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you love, but as you're loving, it opens your awareness and your life to what? Oh, that unconditional love of spirit, that experience of undividedness. And, and once you open up your awareness to that undividedness and even get a little glimpse of that, oh, no matter how bad the injury, no matter how hopeless things look before then, like that example Raphael was giving about this girl, just, you know, what was going on with her? Well, she was losing hope until she heard somebody else who'd been in the same place, be able to break through. Ah, that's the breakthrough to awakening to spirit. Well, we're already coming up to our second break, so please mark your calendars. This is when we announce some of the things that we're doing so that you know about them. On Saturday, September 17th and Sunday, September 18th, we're offering a powerful and illuminating remote for Zoom class plus a bonus gift Q&A weekend event. And the title of it is Psychic Tools for Living Your Creative Soul Life Now. So this is, you know, like our radio show, but very condensed and a lot more. So here are the titles of all four of the teleclasses. The two-hour Zoom, I mean, not teleclasses, but Zoom classes. The two-hour Zoom classes on Saturday. Here's the first title, the morning class, Acceptance and Change, Psychic Tools for Creating Healing in Relationships. And the afternoon class is You're Never Too Late, Psychic Tools for Creating a Fresh Start. And the Zoom classes on Sunday will be the morning class is Pulling Miracles Out of Thin Air, Psychic Tools for Creating a New Solution. And the afternoon class is Seeing Where You're Going, Psychic tools for creating your next step. Plus, anyone who takes part in at least one class during this weekend event can join us for our fun and profound bonus post-class Zoom Q&A talk story and social on Sunday following the last Zoom class. For the full write-up and details or to sign up, go to our September calendar events section at our website, michaeltamora.com, michaeltamora.com, 
or call our office at 530-926-2650 weekdays during business hours specific time. In a bit, we'll return to continue with the agony and the ecstasy of awakening. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. Find out more about everything that they offer at MichaelTamura.com. And be sure to sign up for their free monthly newsletter. The best book ever. Transformational. Incredible information. One of the best books I've ever read. Inspirational. A must-read for anyone interested in accomplishing their purpose. That's what readers around the world are saying about You Are the Answer. The award-winning book by Michael J. Tomorrow, Beloved spiritual teacher and clairvoyant visionary. Order your copy now at Amazon.com. If you love Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora, you'll love their teleclasses, seminars, and retreats. Check out their upcoming events at michaeltamora.com forward slash events. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Well, we're back. (laughs) It's a delight to have you back with us. We've been exploring the agony and the ecstasy of awakening. Let's find out more about how you can master the ups and downs of awakening. Well, since you're listening to this show, you obviously are wanting to awaken. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be listening. So one of the things that I've learned in the course of my life is you know, since I'm, especially since I'm a teacher and, and a, a way shower in, in that sense, is having to also walk my talk. And uh, a lot of times, you know, when we're in private and something happens, maybe we're not walking our talk so much, but we still are aware. You know what? I'm not walking my talk here. And the same goes in a public setting. You know, it's interesting, again, with social media, people are catching all these people doing things in public that that heretofore were not, you know, filmed and all that kind of stuff. I think it started with uh, the popularization of it started with the Rodney King meetings. And, you know, what came to light was um, the terrible prejudice that was still going on in, in the U.S. especially. So part of the awakening process is... I think the millennials have a good word for it is transparency, you know, really paying attention to what you're doing and going by what you know is correct for you. 
And I'm giving this as an introduction to one of my, you know, walking my talk challenges. And that is a passion in my life besides spiritual awakening. Um, Spiritual awakening is my number one thing, and it has been since I was 17 years old. And it's something that even my family did not know or understand about me. But, you know, we all walk our path in our own way. But one of the things, along with my desire to awaken more and more each day, and each of us are awakening more each day if we walk our talk, is that I love to write. And writing has to do, for me, with, uh, in a way, sharing the experience of my life. Just the way the blind surfer I talked about was doing, you know, he was sharing his ups and downs and and all that kind of stuff and and his follies and his embarrassments and all that kind of stuff as well as his joys. Um, I find that more in writing. I'm not one person who likes to sit in front of a camera like that too much, but I love to bring the creativity through my writing and through the stories that I'm wanting to bring forth. And the challenge for me, you know, everybody has their challenges, right, is actually getting the time to do it because pretty much all of most of my time is taken up in our running our business and keeping things going. And and I joyously do this. It's not something I don't want to do. So over the years, underneath everything, I have been in between. Like yesterday, I was doing a bunch of work at my desk and suddenly my book uh, manu- uh, manuscript opened up. And so I just went off to the side and spent 20 minutes writing on my book. And then I t- closed it up and went on to my next thing. And that was amazing for me. And you have to remember that what we quote unquote do in life, um, in a way, it doesn't matter as long as it has some kind of meaning for us. If it doesn't have meaning for us, then we need to probably make the decision to find something that does have meaning for us. And that is a representative of you following your inner promptings. You know, if you start to go, that's why I was talking about following your passion. Following your passion isn't going outside of yourself. It's actually listening to the inner part of you that knows what it's here for, whether it's on the doing end of things or on the being end of things. And if you're more into finding out yourself as a being, you'll be able to make better decisions on the doing part. Should I take this job or that job? For instance, you know, decision-making. If you're presented, for instance, uh, years and years ago when I wasn't uh, on my path yet, or at least I didn't think I was, I wanted to be, and I was just trying to survive, and I applied for a whole bunch of different jobs. And I got two, actually, I think it was three yeses. One was um, at a tomato canning plant, which was in San Jose, California. Another was for AT&T, or the earlier version of it, a phone company as an operator. And I was deciding between those two when a third one came in, which was for a cashiering job in a grocery store which paid way more than the others, but didn't have a, like the AT&T job would have taken me much further financially if I would have stayed with the company. But I chose the cashiering job and it was just felt right to me. And I worked in that for many years until I was able to 
step off of that and go to my next steps, which really took me on my spiritual path. It's quite a story. But needless to say, sometimes we have come from humble beginnings. But if we listen to that inner prompting of us, it's always going to be correct. And, you know, I'm listening to Raphael's stories. I'm looking at what makes us, any of us, not succeed in our awakening? What makes us not heal? Right? And again, back to that when you lose hope. Well, what makes you lose hope? You get discouraged, right? Whether whether you're you're you know going blind or you're you're you've lost the use of your limb or something like that, or you have a emotional issue or mental thing that's that's compromising your ability to do something that you used to do. And there seems to be no solution to it. There's no you're you're kind of at a dead end. You don't know what to do. And you you lose hope, you, you get discouraged. But losing hope and being discouraged, what's behind that? Oh, I'm I'm still looking at that girl that uh, Raphael talked about who was going blind, and then she she got her hope restored, and she was encouraged. If somebody could do it, she might be able to do it too. Although she's probably not a surfer, but you know she's oh yeah, he's able to do something that I wouldn't possibly think of being able to do, but oh. I, I could do what I need to do. That encouragement, what gave her that? Well, she had to drop the judgments. And the judgments, I'm sure, weren't hers to start with. She just started picking it up from everybody. Oh, poor little girl, you know, you're going blind. Oh, my God, this is horrible. All kinds of judgments. How often? It's the judgments that makes something or some kind of condition we have become a disability. Oh, without the judgments, it's not a disability. I've heard and seen a bunch of kids who other people call, considered them to be disabled. I mean, totally disabled. They didn't think of themselves as disabled. No, it's just this is the way I am. Total acceptance and they're joyful, they're at peace, they, they're not hung up on the judgments that other people have in our society that certain things are terrible and other things are great. Goes on the, the great side too. A lot of us don't have what society considers to be the greatest. Oh, this person's the greatest that and can do the greatest in this and the best of that. And most people don't have that, <laughs> right? Even, even those who are considered the greatest in something, well, if you really start to find out about them in their lives, in, in that one area, they might have no peers. You know, nobody can get even close to their level of accomplishment in that area. But that same person might not even hardly be able to tie his own shoelaces, <laughs> so to speak, or uh, tie his shoelaces in a relationship with somebody. <laughs> so we all have areas that 
we can excel if we decided to, we've committed enough, but most of the areas in life, we don't. We're average or less than. Nothing to be discouraged about. So if either on the high end of, of this is some extraordinary ability you have or on the low end of you don't you know have hope in anything, ah, both of those become invalidations if you have if you get hung up on judgments. So again, surfing that mid midpoint between the highs of ecstasies, the lows of agonies in the world, according to judgments, oh, when you release the judgments, even those things that are painful start to be less and less painful and and less and less of suffering you go through experience. Whereas, oh, the other end of ecstasies, the joyfulness, the happiness, the wonderment, all the stuff that you might consider to be joyous celebration of life, they start to show up in your experience. No suffering. Huh. Even, even when somebody's so successful in something and they're riding high, they're, they're the most popular person in the, on the planet about certain things, they're considered the greatest of all time. Huh. Hey, they've suffered. Sometimes even more than a normal, regular person, average person in that, because everyone's attention, millions of people's attention's on them going, oh, you're the greatest. And one false step, one little mistake, and they, oh, gee, you know, you're not the greatest anymore. You're no good. You're a has-been. <laughs> That's Hollywood. <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot of, the whole industry, a lot of places are built on that. But that's all judgment. Oh, and those who fall for those judgments, yeah, it's hard when, when millions of people are judging you. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, but if you fall for the judgments, hope goes out the window, you get discouraged, you're, you're a has-been, it's too bad. Everything you've done is no good anymore. Now, those are all judgments, competition. If you stay true to yourself, just like Ravia was mentioning, oh, yeah, what's your truth? It might not be for anybody else, but for you, this is the right choice. And as long as you're happy with it, that's what counts. And you follow the path to your own drumbeat. And you will awaken. You will heal. You will get to know yourself. You'll have fulfillment in life. The real fulfillment, the kind that no kinds of pain or injury or, or con physical conditions can take away. So that's, that's a key to, ah, instead of chasing the ecstasies or trying to avoid the agonies, if you go right straight through the middle, you're going to have a more and more joyful, ecstatic life, regardless of whether you're waiting for the surf or riding it 
or even when you get tumbled over, nearly drowned. Well, that's a good way to end the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're at the end of our show today. I hope that uh, you have enjoyed this one. Thank you for tuning in. We're always happy that you can join us and hope that our show that our shows help you expand your awareness and deepen your understanding. If I can get through this, that would be great. (laughs) Join us again next Wednesday for our episode, How to Manage Your Psychic Growing Pains. In other words, growth periods, for those of you that have been being trained by us. Find out about what your psychic growing pains might involve and how you might be able to live through them more joyfully. Remember, too, to join us on Saturday, September 3rd from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time for our teleclass, You Are the Light of the World, energy work for enjoying who you are as part of our You Might Be More Psychic Than You Think teleclass series. After all, how can you enjoy life if you don't celebrate who you are first? Check our website or call our office at 530-926-2650 for details or to sign up. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week. Thank you. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.